Howdy, friends. Listen, before we jump in, check this out. We've got some exciting news. As you know, Peter and I work for Bottle Rocket, and we would love for you to join our team. Listen, we're a work-from-wherever company, and we're self-managed vacation. Not to mention, you get to work with great people. Take, for example, Peter and I. It sounds great, right? So if you are ready to do the best work of your life, and join an extraordinary team. Hit the link in the show notes to see our current open positions and apply today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Liftoff. This is Peter Clayman. And I'm Tony Dosa. And today, we have a very special guest. Our guest this week is the Chief Product Officer at Simon Data, where she drives continuous improvement of the Simon platform. For those of you that don't know, Simon is a customer data platform that helps organizations unlock the power of customer data and put it to great uses. Prior to joining Simon, she had multiple roles at Google and AppNexus. She's passionate about all things technology and advertising and has scaled multiple organizations and business units. It's our great pleasure to welcome Donya Harris, Welcome to Liftoff. Very excited to be here, Peter. So obviously there's a million things we could talk about, but we're probably going to talk a lot about the intersection of customers and data. Can you just quickly give us an overview? What's a CDP for those that don't know and customer data platform? And then we'll hop into like the most relevant topics that you're most excited about today. Sounds great. So maybe I can actually um, define the problem that we think uh, orchestration CDP should solve. Um, These days, I don't know if you've noticed, everyone seems to be a CDP and I can throw a bunch of other acronyms. um, (laughs) But at the basic um, level, the problem we're trying to solve is allowing marketers to use their data to actually create great customer experiences, which then obviously give them great ROI. And I know that sounds like a very, very simple goal, but in practice, we all know how difficult it is. What I'm passionate about personally uh, doing is simplifying for marketers how they get into a world in which they think about marketing strategy, creative ways of actually expanding the brand versus thinking about how do I get this email out or how do I actually understand who, Peter, you are as a customer for the brand. I think it's really awesome what y'all are working on these days. And more than anything, I think it's hard sometimes for people to understand the scale of some of the data you're talking about, right? We say, oh, shouldn't it be so simple to orchestrate some of these experiences? The answer is no, definitely not. Because we're not just talking about online experiences that might happen on a third party or a first party experience. We're also talking about physical experiences that may or may not have the right type of data to be structured enough to be useful for marketers. Is that a lot of what you're talking about as well? No, absolutely. And even actually before we get to um, physical experiences, you have so, so many times of uh, digital experiences, right? So think think about the way you interact with a brand on a daily basis, right? You might go to the website. You might actually- Let's pick a brand. Let's all pick a brand. Tony, what's your brand? I love BarkBox, or um, to be precise, my dog loves BarkBox. Every month he gets a, a box, he knows it's BarkBox, he gets excited, I open the box and he's happy with the toys and the snacks for about three, four days, and then he thinks every Amazon box, it's a BarkBox. But that's his problem. 
of not identifying the right box. But let, let, let's pick bar box, right? Okay. There are multiple ways I interact with a brand. One is I go to the website. I actually sign in that moment they know it's me. And I tweak my dog's box, right? So that's a website interaction. I also interact with Bark via the physical product, right? But again, let's leave that aside for a moment. Let's assume that the box comes and something happened to the box in the process of being, you know, transported to my house. I also call customer support. That's another interaction. Let's assume that um, we actually, I watch TV and I see an ad. Let's assume I read about BarkBox in a magazine, right? All this in the magazine is online, right? All these interactions ideally should be connected and not just connected, but a marketer should be able to act and do something with them. So maybe we can, um, we can just focus on the two examples I gave at Bark, right? Which is they interact with me via email. I actually read their emails. They can interact with me via SMS. But they, I call them, I call the customer support and I express some unhappiness with the box, though I've never done that. Uh, but let's assume again, the, the box is broken. I call customer support or I send an email to customer support. The next step shouldn't be for me to get an email being like, hey, how's your dog's experience with this box? Because the box was broken. There's no experience, right? Rate your experience. It should be, we're, we heard your box was broken. We're sorry. There's a new one on the way or here's a coupon, right? That's an example of, a, of an experience that's connected and not disjointed. And now maybe I can ask you guys to think about when, when was the last time when you had an experience with a brand that was actually jarring and we can actually walk back to what created that. It's really hard to capture, especially like I'll, I'll use one example that is nearly impossible. Say for example, there's a third party delivery app and it involves food. I order the food, which the third-party delivery app doesn't really control a lot of my experience after I get it. However, if I get it and there's something missing or bad, and I get that rate your experience first, yeah. or if I even say, hey, this was missing or this was cold, whatever it was, and then immediately I get the rate your experience which has happened to me, I get it. Well, I, I just told you I was missing something and now you're wanting me to rate it without fixing it first. It, it, it's, it's the exact same situation. And, it, and unfortunately, it seems to be commonplace. And is it because yeah, I mean, of the you're, complexity you're, there? You're touching now on, on some complexity between the, as you said, the delivery app and the restaurant, right? Um, but let, let's assume they're one and the same, right? And the complexity comes from the fact that you basically, three things need to happen. One is you need to be able to connect the relevant data for a customer, right? So it needs to go in some place. Um, ideally, it's some sort of modern data warehouse. Think about Snowflake, right? But there can be others. The second thing is you need to make sense out of it, right? So someone needs to understand that like what you've done on the website, the customer support, it's you and they need to kind of identify as, as you. That's an identity problem. And the third thing that needs to happen is then the marketing team needs to be able to take this data, organize and aggregate it, and actually orchestrate an experience for you in an easy way. So the other jarring thing that I'm sure you, you do, I actually subscribe to brands and I want to get all the comms, 
because I'm in the business of helping them simplify. So my inbox is quite interesting, my personal one. But how many times it happens when you get an SMS with an offer and then an hour after you get an email with recommending a product with a different offer? Mm. I bet it happens once a day, right? Is it jarring? No. But does it make you unsubscribe at some point? Absolutely, right? Or in the best case, the brand will spend more to acquire you or to sell a product because they just bombard you with offers. Yes. So going back to, to the point I was making, let's assume that you have the data beautifully aggregated in one place and we understand the market understands who you are. Then they really need to, to think about what's the best way to engage you, not in a traditional marketing channel by channel by channel, right? Where you had performance marketing, dealing with ads, you had email marketing, you had SMS marketing, you had on-site, but all together. And if I go back to, to what we do assignment, that's what we do. We help marketer activate the data when marketing use cases getting results. Here's my, here's my overarching question. I, I'm kind of, sort of having this epiphany here, so bear with me. You know, I use the term personalization a lot, like in my work. Personalization, yep. we got to personalize, we we gotta personalize it. But really, personalization is, is, is about relevance, because it could be, quote unquote, personal, if it knows my name, if it knows maybe some of the things that I like. But if it isn't relevant to me, it's not personal. And so- I mean, if it's, if it's not relevant, it's still personalized, right? It has your first name. Yes. But, but, it's but not is it contextual? Going to, but it, yeah, but it's not contextual. It's not going to do anything, right? It's not relevant. It's not contextual. I'm not feeling a connection. Um, and And- so all of this to say, how do we capture such rich data to make it relevant with privacy in mind? Yeah, I mean, oh. the, this, is a, this is a topic that's, I don't, I don't know if you've seen, but there are they're, they're, they're further legislations all across Europe and in multiple states. GDPR, et cetera. Which are, which are CCPA yeah. clones, right? Um, and, and for good reasons, right? I think as a consumer, um, I should be able to actually understand how my data or the data that I generate is getting used, right? And I think in the past, um, we, we've seen, you know, we've all seen um, large and small abuses of that. What I would say is like the, the if I would be a brand, if I would be a marketer, right? Um, you know, I would focus on what people call in a little bit of a cheeky way, zero-party data. So if you think about third-party data being a cookie and um, first-party being you are the customer of the brand, zero-party data is, will be defined as you're telling the brand more about you and your preferences in exchange for the brand doing something for you. So again, going back to my, um, to my Bark example, I actually went to the website and told Bark everything about my dog, right? Like he's, you know, 17 pounds. He's not a chewer. He is young. He prefers chicken versus like all these things, yes. right? That would be zero, zero party data. Now going back from thinking about the dog as a customer to the individual, think about any um, hair product that get customized, right? So you can actually go beyond customization, which is, that there has to be some advantage for the for the user and customer in order for them to give you more data, right? So think about a value exchange. What do I get as a customer for 
installing, installing your app, sharing my location, doing all the things. And I think, I think in the past, brands just took a marketers, took data as a given, right? It's like, I will collect data about you. And I think as this privacy um, initiatives become like more scaled and also the newer generations actually are very, very conscious of this. Mm-hmm. I think this concept of exchange of I will, I will allow you to know who I am, what I like, but in exchange, I require something, right? Um, there are lots of brands that now are trying to collect like zero first-party data, especially brands in the CPG space. Um, I've seen some things like, I'll give you a beer if you give me your email. I'm not very sure about that right. sustainable right. value exchange. <laughs> um, but what I would say is like, in the, brands have to be very careful, like being relevant, thinking about the value exchange. And then the other thing I would say, and again, like, you know, I, I develop product for a market company, but I encourage brands to think about less communication, but more relevant communication. Yeah. Right. Like I actually advise marketers to be like, you know, send less emails, literally send less emails. And they freak out, right? They, they go, well, but, but that's our, but that's our channel. That's how, you know, But think about KPIs, right? Like people rely, um, people really rely on KPIs, like volume, the number of opens, which are going away. Right. Right. I think you're absolutely right. It's a kind of the, the very simple thing the right message at the right time with the right content, right? And personalization is just the last one. Um, I, I actually think that brands have an opportunity to innovate around this, these topics. Um, and I think they almost need to cut a Gordian knot of almost like sometimes too much data, too, too much technology, right? You have technology to do every use case you want. And I think everyone needs to take a step back and think about what's the ideal engagement with my customer, right? Mm-hmm. And then what I tell people, they, they come and they're like, here are 20 use cases that we want to do, right? Jump from zero to 10. And I usually say, what are the three most important things that you can do as a marketing team for your business in the next six months? Like they have to be three. And then go and focus on those three and all technological decisions and vendor conversations Start with the use case. Don't start with cool capabilities that someone can can actually provide you. I, I have a question, which is a big question. You talked a little bit about privacy. We do know that people are willing to give up their data if they can see some benefit for it. How do we keep the large organizations that we've come to know as technology organizations today, this future state equation where customer data is much more um, tokenized, given on demand, right? Exchange yeah. for clear value exchanges. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're, you're now going into the, the kind of sci-fi future, right? Where imagine your, your oh, data- Oh, web three. Your data becomes your <laughs> currency. Imagine blockchain applied to individual data. But like, let's, let, let's pull back a little bit, uh, you know, around 2022. Um, I mean, listen, I think the, even the large tech companies like are pushing towards privacy, answering this privacy um, wave. To a certain extent, what Apple has been doing for the last 10 years, think about like Safari banning third-party cookies long, long time ago, or what now seems long time ago, has been pushing the entire industry slowly but surely towards reinvention, right? Um, I'm actually really like the watching what's going to happen after third parties get deprecated from Chrome 
is going to be really, really interesting. Like I almost want, you know, I'm in the middle of this. Otherwise I would be eating popcorn and watching the, the <laughs> fun. But for us and for me, the question is, how can technology that's focus of, again, leveraging first part, zero and first party data for marketing use case, actually lean in and continue to help brands um, create great experiences for the customers when cookies don't exist, right? Um, and what, what I think is going to happen, right? You're going to have to redefine the line between acquisition, so traditional performance marketing and retention, which I've always advocated that they're, they're, it's, a, it's a gray line, right? Like think about, um, think about buying a mattress, right? Casper is a client of ours. In this moment, when was the last time you bought a mattress? Three years ago, and it was a Casper. Great. We like to hear that. <laughs> I'm sure Casper does as well. So you're a customer, right? But at the same time, you did your last purchase three years ago. Right? So right. should they connect with you via retention marketing or via traditional performance marketing? Right. Mm. So I, I actually think those lines have to blur. And I actually think that's going to help marketers really think about, I, I, I hate to use the word 360. It sounds like such a cliche, <laughs> but 360 engagement with the customers, right? Um, and I think, the, I think the third party cookie is going to be a forcing function. Um, I also think that, you know, I am like, how many times you're asked about attribution? Yeah. Like I was just about to talk about attribution and these updates that continually keep getting pushed by Apple, but will come into the market at some certain point. I know. So like attribution is a pet peeve of mine. Like it's like you see companies that do really, really, really complex models of attribution and they use really, really complex tools, but they become almost like driven. It's not driven by data. It's like, shackle by data because all these attribution models like unless you you know everything right and you follow a customer on all the interaction points and you know how he feels about the brand every interaction point he has you can't run perfect attribution right so i actually think attribution the fact that attribution will break it's a good thing because i think it was it's been fake precision for such a long time like how many people you've heard to say you know out of this dollar like 38% we're going to attribute it to like Facebook or Google, 32% based on our outdoor program. And like, this is fake, like it doesn't, doesn't work like that, right? So I actually think the world in which retention and, and uh, performance marketing, they all get smooshed together, right? And like people really start thinking about customer journeys and they really start thinking about LTV versus I acquire this customer and then I throw it, throw the customer to retention team. I think the moment the attribution actually breaks and people start experimenting more versus taking as a gospel some model that someone built, I actually think it's going to be better for brands. And I actually think it's going to potentially be better for customers, right? Um, there's definitely something where I'm pushing that product development assignment. Like we believe, I strongly believe in that the answer to some of the questions around attribution around also journey, like what is the best journey, like shoot line experimentation. Try try this, at the same time, try this other thing and have a control group. Mm -hmm. Like I actually think that, that marketers ideally get a little bit more of a mindset on iterating, right? Um, versus getting stuck in, 
old KPIs and old attribution models and kind of old, old organizational lines. I love this, by the way. And um, I wrote down here, we must have Doina back for another episode. <laughs> well, we, we, we can talk about things non-Martech as well. Well, that's why I want to have you back because you're a wealth of knowledge. Before we get into the uh, lightning... Random knowledge, Tony. That's right. Before we get into the lightning round, how can people connect with you if you want to be connected with? Just just uh, hit me on LinkedIn. Awesome. We'll put a link we to will, that uh, in the show notes. put your LinkedIn in the show notes. Yep. Great. I am very friendly. I answer questions. My door is always open. Perfect. So, lightning round. We're going to ask you... Wait, just one word? One word answers only in this lightning round, okay? What if it's an expression? That's fine. If there could be a brief, like, hypothesis... Yeah, I think we can make that. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't cheat? Well... <laughs> you can cheat if you want. You got you to gotta choose when to rip the rule book up. Okay. That's be really worried. Got it. <laughs> go for it. Okay, uh, Peter, we'll start, then I'll go, and then Peter will finish it out. We had this long run of television being the predominant channel for people to engage, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, until the like, great splintering of the actual internet era when everybody kind of went into their own silos. My question behind all this being... What do you believe is the most effective channel to communicate with the customer today? What age? Oh, great question. Um, let's say peak earning potential individuals. So that is 35 to 45. Cross channel. There's a hyphen there. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't think there's one. I mean, if you've told me like 10 to 14, I would say something like Roblox, like the metaverse. <laughs> is it, I'm not kidding. Like you will get like, that's where my son, in, like that's how my son interacts with the world. But if you think about 40, I actually, I think this is interesting thing these days. There's not one channel. You're totally breaking the lightning round rules. So I just, <laughs> on question one. I'm word. sorry. <laughs> okay here we go this is a hard one okay all things considered with what we've talked about in this theme okay personalization relevance which industry if you had to pick one is most ripe for disruption in personalization advertising Okay. Oh, we're just going to leave that one out there. Okay. Um, <laughs> Love it. It's very good. Very good. And then uh, BarkBox excluded. What's one of your favorite brand experiences that you've had in the last six months that surprised you? It's a company called Kizix. Yeah. And I, I have to explain why, because... Um, it's, it's very specific. So they do, they did a TV ad. My husband bought a pair. I tried his shoes. I bought a pair. I became a huge advocate. I sent the CEO and found a message on LinkedIn suggesting product development, new products. And he replied within an hour being like, I were thinking about this. We will do something like that. 
it's already on our roadmap. And that's the shoe that famously came into market with the heel goes in and the heel pops up and it's love that. I've been and wanting again, to try some. Interesting thing, which is like, it was TV, amazing product. Then personal interaction that a, like human answer from a CEO. I mean, I'm an advocate for the brand. Such an interesting personal almost experience that I have to say. Yeah. Love it. Now is time for the final question, which we ask every guest, which is what non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? Yeah, th this is actually a really hard one. Um, chef's knife. Ooh. Okay. What kind of chef's knife? We talking like Japanese steel, rolled steel? No, no, we're talking about the German one. Hankles? Um, I don't even know what it is. I know that that's bad to say because I just said it's a you know one of the most valuable things. Um, that's maybe even better though. That's even better though. Yeah, it doesn't need to have a brand to have utility. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I I started cooking um, only ten years ago, and I started cooking because um, I I couldn't even boil water. But I had my son and I couldn't tell him, wait for daddy, if you're hungry, to come home. It didn't didn't seem very empowering. And I, the first ever cooking lesson was actually a knife skills lesson. Where for six hours at a cooking school in London, you just learn how to cut everything. And cooking has become both my passion, my meditative space, um, the time when I have the best business ideas and the... Chef's knife is a great, like, representation of that. Joina, I love it. I'm the same way with my espresso machine. <laughs> There's something about it. You have Tony, that, that, that would have been my next one. Like, what I need my coffee. <laughs> See? I knew we'd I think connect. it's a garden, but I totally get what you're talking about. Yeah. Did I break all the rules? I was like, I'm going to tell you a word, but then I'm going to tell you the story. <laughs> See, I... If if we aren't breaking rules, then what's the point? P Peter was giving me the, the look. He's like, you're doing it again. <laughs> uh, you know what? You had great answers. I loved all the answers. You you get a pass this time. Next time, we'll we'll stick to the one-word rule. Joyna, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to have you back. I know I can speak for all of us listening, all of us hosting this, which is me and Peter, that this has been awesome. And for me, it's been great meeting you and for peter you guys have met before but this has been great thank you awesome i really it's been fun not all podcasts are fun i really appreciate that you guys let creativity and in moments relevance shine through so thank you